self-development with tactics. Good morning, my people. Today we're going to talk about cognitive distortions. Why? Because it is relevant to me or for me. It is 8 a.m. in the morning. Well, it's actually 8.20, I guess, uh, 23. Um, today is going to be my first day of work from 11.30 to 9.30. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? So, stuck in the negatives. 15 cognitive distortions to blame by the uh, psychcentral.com site. Link is probably not going to be in the description, but if you're going to search for the title, then you are going to find it for sure. It is written by Karen Gap, PSYD, written by Sandra Silva Casabianca on May 6th, 2021. I have consciously chosen the most recent article um, just in case there is something happening or there was something happening in terms of change because I went through cognitive distortions before and well basically through all of them but I think maybe that there were added some maybe anyway. So even though you did awful at a job interview or school presentation, but ended up passing with flying colors, that was your mind leading you astray. You may say, impossible. I know I did terribly. Lucky me, they didn't realize it. And that is your mind once more leading you in the not-so-merry dance of cognitive distortions. And I'm seeing them as well. And I'm experiencing them as well. The thing is, recognizing them is the first thing, you know, and it is very, very, very difficult, you know, because we are protecting ourselves from doing so, essentially, you know, and there is always a reason why we're doing that. Um, anyway, so what are cognitive distortions? A cognitive distortion, and there are many, is an exaggerated pattern of thought that is not based on facts. It is consequent, It consequently leads you to view things more negatively than they really are. In other words, cognitive distortions are your mind convincing you to believe negative things about yourself and your world that are not necessarily true. Everyone falls into cognitive distortions on occasion. It is part of the human, human experience. This happens particularly when we are feeling down. But if you engage well, on, on the flip side, um, when you're feeling down, you're going to have, well, if you combat those cognitive distortions, you're probably not going to feel as down, you know, because they are, they do not only occur, especially when we're feeling down, but they make us feel down. So it might be kind of a vicious cycle of hell or negativity or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But if you engage too frequently in them, your mental health can take a hit. 
Our thoughts have a great impact on how we feel and how we behave. Yes, definitely. When you treat these negative thoughts as facts, you see yourself and act in a way based on faulty assumptions, which is a fucked up thing if you think about it, you know, which is like you think and or assume that, um, I don't know, somebody killed a good friend of yours. And so you take revenge in whatever form it might be. And then you figure out in the process that, you know, this person hasn't even been killed and, and, and yada, yada, yada. So um, it can lead to pretty fucked up situations and pretty fucked up things. And so it is quite essential, my point of view, to combat these and, um, you know, knowing how to deal with these because it's going to make your life way better. And this is also the reason why I'm going through it because I need to learn them and you know why shouldn't I take the time that I'm just anyway spending here to also do something that I think is worthwhile for quite many people and as well as for me. This could contribute to mental health conditions such as depression and anxiety. Reverse cognitive distortions is often at the heart of cognitive behavioral therapy or CPT among other types of psychotherapy. You can learn to identify, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Let's go through them. 15 common, common, you know, not all of them, cognitive distortions. As far as I know, there's actually a Wikipedia page where they are all listed. And maybe, you know, some are going to be added in the future. I don't know. I hope not, at least. In that, well, it depends, you know, because if we see them, we can also do something about them. But, you know, when we do not see them, we can't do anything about them. Anyway, in 1976, psychologist Aaron Beck proposed the theory behind cognitive distortions and in the 1980s, David Burns popularized it with common names and examples. The most common cognitive distortions include filtering, polarization, overgeneralization, discounting the positive, jumping to conclusions, catastrophizing, personalization, control, fallacies, fallacy of fairness, blaming shoulds. Emotional reasoning, fallacy of change, global labeling, always being right. Filtering. Mental filtering is training and straining all positives in a situation and instead dwelling on its negatives. Something that I do quite often. Even if there uh, are more positive aspects than negative in a situation or person, you focus on the negatives exclusively. For example, it is performance review time at your company and your manager compliments your hard work several times. In the end, they make one improvement suggestion and you leave the meeting feeling miserable and dwell on that one suggestion all day long. Which is, I don't want to say dumb, but why? You know, why are you doing so? What's the benefit of that? Anyway. Um... Something that I do quite often, also uh, with work today, I kind of only think about the negatives, even though there are also positives. Like, um, <laughs> I, I need to have that job because I want to exist and I want to live and I do not necessarily want to live, um, you know, that of a standardless life. You know, I do want to have some standard and, and also some possibility to invest money and save money. Um, very big thing for me. I don't want to just... Um, you know, lose money on the whole thing that I myself kind of decided. So um, it's inevitable, inevitable. I have to just do it. Anyway, um, this is one thing. On the other hand, it is like uh, 
something else, you know, and not always the same thing. I do think that I uh, would have gotten bored when I do not know that I need to work. So, you know, once a week, it is fine. It's okay. Whatnot. I shouldn't complain. But um, yeah, it kind of contrasts my the rest of my life quite well, I would say. If this makes sense. I think it does. Anyway, polarization. Polarized thinking is thinking about yourself and the world in all or nothing way. When you engage in thoughts of black and white with no shades of grey, this type of cognitive distortion is leading you. For example, your coworker was a saint until she ate your sandwich. Now you can understand her or you got a B on your last test so you have failed at being a good student despite getting only A's before that. All or nothing thinking usually leads to extremely unrealistic standards for yourself and others that could affect your relationships and also motivation. Black or white thoughts may also set up for failure. For example, you have decided to eat healthy foods, but today you didn't have time to prepare a meal, so you eat a bacon burger. This immediately leads you to conclude that you're ruined. I'm sorry, that you have ruined your health, uh, healthy eating routine, so you decide to no longer even try which is fucked up. When you engage in polarization thinking, everything is in either or categories. This might make you miss the complexity of most people and situations. So the thing in terms of um, cognitive distortions is, at least at my point of view in general, that um, one needs to realize them and you can only realize them by observing your thoughts, you know, in, in, in quite some detail. You know, if, if you do not give any attention to your thoughts, you're never ever going to see it. And so for me, it's actually, you know, even though I've been talking about it and whatnot, um, I haven't done that, you know, and, and now I'm starting to um, see my thoughts and recognize my thoughts a bit more. And I got to have to say, like, um, there is many things going on. I'm not going to lie. Overgeneralization. When you overgeneralize something, you take an isolated negative event and turn it into a never-ending pattern of loss and defeat. For example, you speak up at a team meeting and your suggestions are not included in the project. You leave the meeting thinking, I ruined my chances for a promotion and never say the right thing. Overgeneralization can also manifest in your thoughts about the world and its events. For example, you're running late for work and uh, you're on your way there. You hit a red light. You think nothing ever goes my way. With or generalization, words like always, never, everything and nothing are frequent in your train of thoughts. And also when you're talking to your partner, you know, you're always doing that to me. You know, I'm never okay in your eyes. It's also not smart. Discounting the positive. Discounting positives is similar to mental filtering. The main difference is that you dismiss it as something of no value when you do think of positive aspects. For example, if someone compliments the way you look today, you think they're just being nice. Or if your boss tells you how comprehensive your report was, you discount it as something anyone else could do. If you do well in that job interview, you think it is because they didn't realize you're not that good. Which I think, as I'm just reading it, um... Being humble is okay, and I just love being humble. I think it makes sense, you know. On the other hand, one needs to be sure of one's qualities, you know. Just a healthy um, confidence in one's abilities, 
I don't want to say that, that you just have to act as if and whatnot, but we all have certain talents and it is fine to acknowledge them and it is fine to, to see them and you know accept them. Jumping to conclusions. When you jump to conclusions, you interpret an event or situation negatively without evidence supporting such a conclusion. Then you react to your assumption. For example, your partner comes home looking serious. Instead of asking how they are, you immediately assume they are mad at you. Consequently, you keep your distance. In reality, your partner had a bad day at work. Jumping to conclusions or mind reading quote unquote, is often in response to a persistent thought or concern of yours. For example, you feel insecure about your relationship or you think your partner might be losing interest. Which, if you're thinking about it, um, just makes sense, doesn't it? You know, that... Actually, I haven't been drinking that much today. Not a good thing, stay hydrated. I've seen a big-ass change in my physique and also my... Um, well, health as well, and and um, how I feel, just because I've started drinking way more water than before, um, but not in a way that is gonna feel like I'm a fish, you know, drowned in water and completely fucking with you, but um, drinking it at the right time, you know, when I'm thinking about it and when I do not feel like I don't need anymore. When I take a sip and I feel, okay, I shouldn't be drinking, like my body is clearly telling me, you know, it's it, I'm full, I'm just fine. Um, why then, you know? Anyway, catastrophizing or catastrophizing, however you pronounce that shit, I don't know. Catastrophizing is related to, related to jumping to conclusions. In this case, you jump to the worst possible conclusion in every scenario, no matter how improbable it is. This cognitive distortion often comes with what if questions. What if he didn't call because he got into an accident? What if she hasn't arrived because she really didn't want to spend time with me? What if it? Uh, what if I help this person and they end up betraying or abandoning me? Several questions might follow in response to one event. For example, what if my alarm doesn't go off? What if then I'm late for the important meeting? What if I get fired after I've worked so hard for this job? Um, yeah, you know, if there is no reason, uh, then, um, you know, to, to get to this conclusion, like why? <laughs> you know, the thing is with those uh, cognitive distortions that when you read them, you know, and also the definition of them and, you know, how they quote-unquote work, what they do, and so on and so forth, then one really thinks like, you know, what the fuck, you know, who would ever think like that? But in the end, I'm, we all have, you know, I don't want to generalize things, but most of us have to deal with them, and most of us can see them and recognize them in our thoughts and thinking. But we do not see them, you know, this is the thing, you know, they're not as obvious to us as when we are reading them, you know, going through definitions and whatnot, um, which kind of also makes sense, like, you know, I would argue that when we, cr cr like, when we cl clearly see a way um, 
to better our feelings and better ourselves and better just how uh, we feel and how healthy we are, we are probably going to do so, especially when it is about mental health. Like, I think in the end, we all want to feel good. Sometimes, though, I would say feeling bad also feels good. Also, um, it is not a lot of work to just stay the way you are. Anyway, personalization. Personalization leads you to believe that you're responsible for events that, in reality, are completely or potentially, I'm sorry, partially, partially, out of your control. This cognitive distortion often results in your feeling guilty or assigning blame without contemplating uh, all factors evolved. For example, your child has an accident and you blame yourself for allowing them to go to that party, or you feel that if your partner had worked earlier, you would have been ready on time for work. With personalizing, you also take things personally. For example, your friend is talking about their personal beliefs regarding parenting, and you take their words as an attack against your parenting style. So I think um, it is important to stand your man uh, um, and just understand and know what is your fault and what isn't and you know it just clearly reminds me of something stoic which is outside events and inside events you know you can control everything that's inside of you cognitively your feelings your points of view your opinions you know your your character in terms of work ethic and so on and so forth but there's a ton of outside events and outside things that you cannot control you know period you can't control the weather not yet we can't do it yet you know at least not fully but we can't do it so when it rains it is what it is you know why being unhappy about it you know it's not going to change anything the problem is, and this is something that I've read somewhere, that we emotionally, well, no, no, let's, let's begin in a different way. We are emotional, and so trying to fight your emotional being and your emotional mind with logic does not always work. Like, fighting with logic is like, okay... Yes, I'm understanding it, and yes, I'm seeing it, but still I feel differently about it. You know, as it is with the whole weather thing. Of course it is just, I don't like it when it rains, especially when I wished it not to rain. Um, but yeah, what, what can I do? I can only do the best with it. I can take an umbrella and just still go out if I want to do so, or I'm going to have to lay things off till a day that's, um, you know, that's better. Or till a finer day, that's better. Control fallacies. The word fallacy refers to an illusion, misconception, or error. Control fallacies can go two opposite ways. You either feel responsible or in control of everything in your and other people's lives, or you feel you have no control at all over anything in your life. For example, you couldn't complete a report that was due today, you immediately think, of course, I couldn't complete it. My boss is overworking me and everyone was so loud today at work. Who can get anything done like that? Which, by the way, is easy to think like that. And it's also one of the reasons why I think that um, making yourself responsible is great. Because the thing is, you can't do anything about that. 
If you say, okay, I've just fucked up and my timing was shit, you can do something about that. But the thing is, um, you can't do anything about your boss. You know, maybe you can talk to him or her, but you know, if this is going to work, I don't know. And and people being loud, well, yeah, you can somehow alter it and change it, you know, by, by telling them, well, it's a bit too loud in here. But um, if they're really going to do that, it's just up to them in the end. So you can't change it, maybe, in the end. So it's um, focusing on inside things, how we view things and our opinions makes way more sense, you know, because at least we can do something about them. In this example, you place all control of your behavior on someone else or an external circumstance. This is an external control fallacy. The other type of control fallacy is based on the belief that your actions and presence impact uh, or control the lives of others. For example, you think you make someone else happy or unhappy. You think all of their emotions are controlled directly or indirectly by your behaviors. Is there even a behaviors? I thought that it was just behavior, you know multiple behavior anyway i'm gonna end it here um but i'm gonna finish it up there's actually quite some left fallacy of fairness which would be the next one yeah um <laughs> as fine as it is but i think it might be exactly half of it that we went through now maybe more anyway i wish you the best keep thinking and keep recognizing your thoughts and keep attention to your thoughts and i will see you the next time bye bye